Hi, I'm Marty Forbeck, and I'm Matt Forbeck's son, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about using magic items in your games. In the news, D&D Beyond is giving away two free books, the Cowboy Bebop RPG Playtest is available now, several conventions post their COVID-19 restrictions, the D&D cartoon characters are getting miniatures, maybe, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the difficulties of finding the Incognito Thieves Guild, this week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by the Garbin Street Iguana Clinic. With world-class veterinary consultants, Garbin Street Iguana Clinic is by far the best and most well-known iguana clinic in the 16 Duchies. In a recent survey, one out of one respondents were unable to recommend another iguana clinic. The Garbin Street Iguana Clinic, for all your iguana medical needs. Iguanas only, other reptiles need not apply. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Pete Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. And joining us today, all the way from the depths of Southampton, it's the one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. And I'm not even in Southampton and Eastleigh, which is even worse. That was the best build-up yet, I think. It was pretty good. I feel hyped up every week. I think, Peter, your problem is, though, if you keep escalating it each week like this, you're going to reach... A point where you, well, maybe you won't. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's going to be exponential. Look, all I can say is two things. One, always be escalating. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice for GMing and many other things. And two, Kermit the Frog is definitely my role model for go-to to introduce people. Mm-hmm. That would explain why you're wearing all that green makeup. Eh, well, yeah. I was I wasn't going to ask, but now now I know. Is it is it your I'm makeup okay. or is that your true skin and you wear makeup all the other times we've seen you? Like the Joker. Well, mm. uh, I, I like to think of myself as more of an orc, to be fair. But yeah, I hope <laughs> you say. Well, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So this week we do not have a hashtag awfully cheerful question, which is very sad, as we love to hear your questions. So. What you can do, if you would like to win a free copy of issue one of the Awfully Cheerful Engine and have your question answered on the show by this panel of people you cannot say are experts that are, but perhaps are just enthusiastic. You can certainly uh, say we're experts, whether or yeah. not that'll be true. <laughs> yeah, that'll be counted as misleading and YouTube will take all our videos down. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Side point Ooh. there. So what you can do is if you would like to win a free uh, copy of the first issue of the Awfully Cheerful Engine, all you have to do is ask us a question on Twitter with the hashtag Awfully Cheerful Question, and that will get you a chance to win that copy, because if we choose your question to answer on the show, um, then you will send you a copy. And it can be a question about anything to do with tabletop role-playing games, um, so ask us on there. And you can also send us an email, can't you, Russ? What's that email address they can send the question to as well? at gmail.com. So, yep, so you can send us a question there as well. Um, and seeing as no one asks this question this week, if you send one next week, it's highly likely your question might get picked. 
Okay, now I'm done. Let's do the news. All right, then. Let's do the news. <laughs> right. I'd like to start with, because as we all know, I am a massive, massive anime fan. and know all about the animes. I'm an expert on the animes. I know them all. I know the names uh, and what they're all about. And mm-hmm. uh, you, should, should, Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you love to watch the animes on your Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> so I bring my uh, animes expert uh, to bear upon yes. this particular uh, topic. Uh-huh. And this is the Cowboy and, uh, I believe I pronounced this correctly, Cowboy Beboop. Beboop. Cowboy Beboop playtest document. I'm so sorry, Jessica. <laughs> He believes this is a very funny bit. I know, I can see, because his face yeah. is very, very smug and laughing. Yes, well, as far as I'm concerned, as long as I find it funny, I'm fine with it. Okay, well, that's just as well. Uh, yeah, Cowboy Bebop RPG. Ooh. Russ, tell us about that. Well, I can't what tell you that you much about it, to be fair. But I, I can tell you that my Marvel Multiverse RPG playtest soft cover arrived this morning, mm. which was lovely, given that it was supposed to arrive a month ago, and I haven't had a chance to look through it yeah I, I glanced through it and it was very pretty and colourful when I saw Captain America that's but um, nice. that's, that's about as far as I've seen of that but mm. on Drive Through RPG you can now download a 38 page playtest document for Cowboy Bebop. Um it's full colour very pretty looking the high production values 38 pages um, the Kickstarter mm. they, they announced it was it like late last year or sometime? I remember mm-hmm. we talked about it at the time because I was yeah. I made that excellent joke then as well. And it was funny oh, then. Right, right. And it's even funnier now I've repeated it today. And yes, right. <laughs> that's an <laughs> impassive face. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a Kickstarter coming. Let me double check. It's written right on the cover of the playtest in 2022, it says. It doesn't say when exactly. Okay. But 38-page playtest document, you can download it, you can start playing it right now. Well, presumably the latter half of 2022. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does say... We haven't noticed. Yeah, it says the material in this playtest document is preliminary and not definitive. The game and graphic designs may be different in the final product. Fair enough. All right. Of course, that won't break the universal law of playtest documents where someone will look at it and decide that is the final game and write it off forever. Because yeah, that's well, how playtest documents work, apparently. Yeah, but oh. I, th- I guess if you're passionate about the anime, this would be a good time to have a look and give your feedback. Because mm. um, I know a lot of people were very unhappy with the TV show that were fans. Oh. I watched it and I quite liked it, but then I did. I didn't. Oh. I didn't know the anime beforehand, so I was coming to mm. it with no expectations, no history, no you know pre expectations. Um, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about D and D Beyond. Yeah, their sale to Wizards of the Coast went through oh. officially this week. It did. Yep, but yep. finalised, it is now officially all part of Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, three things happened this week as part of this. So, Monsters of the Multiverse yeah. became available a day earlier than expected. Yes. As a, as a little surprise there. Um, mm-hmm. So that became available on Monday. Mm-hmm. Then later in the week, uh, I think we mentioned this last week actually, uh, Wizards gave away Acquisitions Incorporated on D&D Beyond. Yes. And also Lost Mine of Fandover. Yes. Exciting. Monsters of the Multiverse is getting some mixed reactions, as far as I can see online. Because they've retired the two books, Volo's Guide. Yeah. And what's the other one? Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Yeah. So they've retired those two books now. Yes. And this replaces both of them. 
But yeah. what, what, what's yeah. happened is, so there's two major sort of facets to this. One is that a lot of the law in those previous books isn't in this book. Yes. It's just missing. It's not even changed. It's just missing. Uh, but also, you know, they've, they've, they, they've amended their approach to monster stat blocks along the lines that we assume they're moving towards for the next edition of the game in 2024. Yes. And those changes are getting mixed reactions. I mean, some people like it. Yeah. Some people don't. I mean, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say yeah. like universally it's any way, one way or the other. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, it's a stylistic preference. Mm. There's less, to me, I dislike it because there's less, it's like one of those like little, there's no user service wall parts inside. I can't yeah. fiddle with it. So should we or, like explain what the changes are to yes. give this some context here? Yeah, right. So um, as I understand it, and I do not have this book, so I've only read about this book. But yeah. uh, as I understand it, the changes are mainly in the way that they present spells. Mm-hmm. There are other changes, but this, this, this is the, the thing that's kind of contentious. The way mm-hmm. they present spells. So rather than having spells, they now have abilities which resemble spells, which are baked mm-hmm. into the stat block, as I understand it. Is that... Okay. Am I correct? Uh, like bro- broadly, uh, spell spell-like abilities. Yeah, and um, they also have changed. So, so for instance, instead of casting fireball, mm. there's like an ability. There's an action they can take, which is make a fire explosion that recharges on a four to six. Right. Yeah, and it, it acts exactly like. So it's functionally the same thing. They just don't call it a spell. Yeah. 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 Um, and. Also, they have like a sort of like a cantrip style, but not mm. ranged spell attack. Right. Uh, rather than casting a cantrip or another spell, they have like a, an action that they can take, which has the effect of throwing magic at you in various forms of damage. So basically, it sounds a lot like they're doing some stuff that they did in 4e. As I recall, and it has been that's, years since I've looked at 4 yeah, yeah, yeah. As I recall, that's how spells kind of worked in a monster stat block in 4E, isn't it? Oh. Um, never ran 4E, can't tell you, but from what I've heard, that yes, probably. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. feels very computer gamey, like um, just like uh, an auto attack that you can spam out. Mm. And right. some people will be okay with this and like this, and some people mm-hmm. won't. It's It's like, do you like cake? Some people like it. Some people don't. Mm. Who? Wait, stop. Who doesn't like cake? I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I'm more. I'm more. I'm more of a cookie. <laughs> I nearly swore person. like on the podcast. Then <laughs> I. I mean, yeah, yeah, sorry. Let's sense. get back to what we're talking about. Sorry, that <laughs> okay. just shocked me. I mean, it's it's nice. I mean, maybe a closer example might be Apple versus Android. Like in that oh, okay. Apple Apple works um, as long as you do what. Apple thinks you want to do. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something that isn't what Apple thinks you want to do, then you are out of luck. Um, and so it depends. If you're happy with this bargain, I will do the thing. It will be easy as long as I do it, use it in the way that other people intend me to do. You're fine. It works. It's great. Whatever. If you use it in a way other than how they want to use it, or you would like to, you're like, okay, well, if you want to do something slightly differently, then it is a lot, a lot, a lot of work. I'm trying to, to understand work. how this analogy Relates to a monster stat block because they made it more like a they made it more like an iPhone than like an Android phone because now it's not as it, easy to tweak and edit. 
It's yeah. it's there. It's simpler to use, maybe, but yes. it, it means you can't homebrew it and tweak it as you might need to as easily. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So Jessica understood this metaphor. So there no, you go. I, don't, I don't understand why it's hard to homebrew or tweak. It depends upon how important, like keeping the same power level is to your game. For me and my rules of written approach, yeah, that's actually pretty important. I want to make sure that the CR stays the same. And I also do not want to have to do uh, a lot of that. Yeah, see, sure. I'm, I'm a lot happier to just eyeball stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. So, yeah. no, that doesn't bother me in the slightest in that case. So, on the, using your yeah. cake analogy, yeah. <laughs> I guess I like cake. Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't like cake? What a time. Well, we, we, know, right. we now know who doesn't like cake. I mean, I the like truth, the truth has been uncovered on this podcast. Yeah. You've been at my house. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Have you okay. ever tried to serve me a Victoria sponge? I no. no, I didn't. Good shout! A variety <laughs> of snacks that day, but yeah. not cake. Mm. Yeah. I like my <laughs> Frenchy snacks. Mm-hmm. So anyway, D and D Beyond now officially with Wizards of the Coast. Monsters of the Multiverse released a day early. They also, uh, by the way, had thirty mm-hmm. odd player races in there, all of yeah. which have now been updated to again what we assume is the new edition kind of style of. Yeah, yeah, like they've synchronised a lot of the speeds, so yeah. Opera yeah. no longer fly 50 and walk 20, they fly 30, they walk 30. Yeah. Deep yeah. gnomes that have, uh, deep, uh, what's it, um, kobolds and dwegar now have superior dark vision. Yeah. There's a lot of standardization, and I can't say it feels a bit like homogenization. Like, mm. I, I'm more than willing to tell people to get lost if they tell me. That, that, I mean, that is definitely, I think, the, that's yeah. actual homogenization. Yeah, 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 I think, yeah, I think that is actually definitely some of the narrative that's out there at the moment. That, um, yeah. On the, the not liking cake side of things, people are definitely saying that. Um, again, I haven't seen it myself particularly, but we did. Do you remember in a episode, it must have been when the, or before the gift set came out, mm-hmm. we went through a great big long list of detailed changes to all of the races. Yeah. yeah. At the time, it was really, it was like half an episode's worth. So we went into yeah. it in quite a bit of detail. Mm. Um, and at the time, it sort of seemed okay to me. I mean, I, um, I there wasn't anything yeah. that really jumped out at me and bothered me. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of it, as I say, was things like uh, if if you change where you can put your ability scores, I don't think that makes your game worse. I think that makes your game more fun because mm. then mm. if you want to have a character that's mechanically effective at something, you no longer have to play. If you want to play a charisma character. Half Elf is no longer the only yes. possible choice. If you, that you, would you should be to allowed to play a super strong halfling if you want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and and that works. That's mm. fine. That's not making everything feel the same. That's actually adding variety to your game. But yeah. making so that everyone moves the same distance, it's like it just feels a step too far weird. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that, that is actually making things all feel the same, yeah. like different. Color t- different colour tunes. It's interesting to see um, where they're going to be going with this then. I mean, yeah, whether yeah. this is going to stick in the next edition or not, or whether... Because the mixed reactions, surely they've been noticing the mixed reactions, so maybe in the next edition they're going to see those reactions and think, okay, dull some of that back a little maybe, or I don't know. Like, like maybe. I do I, have I another think. question about the book though, because I haven't yes. mm. um, read it. Is it got many romantic themes in it? I'm uh, going to go Because it's currently listed... On the Amazon um, sales charts as the number one bestseller in the genre of romantic fantasy. Really? So I was wondering <laughs> if there was something I didn't know about this book. 
I now feel I do need to buy this book. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think um, I think the Amazon got, algorithm got a bit confused and put it in romantic fantasy. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I guess Mordenkainen and Tasha are both in it? Uh, no. But is that, no, um, is that... I didn't think that was a thing in the book that there was going to be that story. I don't know. That I, I would... I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I very much suspect that I would struggle to find the romant, romantic subplot in this RPG textbook. Yeah. I think, I think yes. some people that are searching through the romantic fantasy genre are going to be very disappointed if they purchase well, this book yeah. on that recommendation. I, how many people out there are there that are thinking, I now want to buy a romantic fantasy book. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go onto Amazon and I'm going to buy whatever is the number one current well, romantic fantasy book, sight unseen. I'm going to buy it, wait for it to be delivered, and then do. settle down for an afternoon and dive in. You know what, Russ? You've clearly not worked in customer service for a while, and it shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's cool. myself and myself and Zin have been dealing yes. with the customer admin inbox for choice, too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just thought that was funny, so I thought I'd drop that in. Yeah, yeah, no, number no, no, no. one fantasy yeah. romantic fantasy book. Well, I, I, I would hope that people wouldn't, but I could see. I just think if, if you're in the mood for romantic fantasy, this book is not going to. No. Achieve what you want. Yeah. Well, we assume to go again. Out. Again, none, none of us have read this book. We assume. Maybe, maybe it is. If you have read it and it is actually, I, I am willing you know. to put money that it's not <laughs> romantic fantasy themes. I thought the cover would be very different if it was. <laughs> well, so should we anyway. move on to yeah. Acquisitions Incorporated? <laughs> Oh, that yes, is yes, currently please. free please on it, D&D yeah. Beyond, and it will be until Ooh. May 26th. So do you think so they chose a... that particular book to make free because D&D Beyond is an acquisition? Wizards of the Coast has just acquired D&D Beyond, so they made Acquisitions Incorporate. Do you think it's a little pun on their parts, or is it just... I think I'd like to think so, because I like that. Mm. Or was it just randomly picked? Why, why that book? Uh, um. I don't know. <laughs> maybe because it's a popular like streaming acquisitions incorporated they because they do their not is it a live stream or is it pre-recorded but anyway it's like a an online actual yeah, play yeah, series yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That people was, used to yeah. play arcade mm. that, still do mm. play arcade sorry i don't know why i said they used to they still do yeah. is it still coming on then acquisitions incorporated i think occasionally they do stuff but yeah. i i remember it was like over a decade ago yeah. that i mm. first saw that because i was looking for i was looking to get into role-playing games and so i did the usual thing people do is you go online and have a look and see if you can see some people playing a game to see if that's something you're interested in mm. and it was acquisitions incorporated and, and that that's what turned you well before that well no, not necessarily, but um, it was more because I played Hero Quest, which I know isn't a role-playing game, but it's a board game, and I was like, I want something like this, but a mm. bit more in-depth, mm. and I think yeah. it's an actual progression from that, um, and that was something okay. I saw, and then I went to join a role-playing club, and, and now it's really escalated, and I'm a business manager of an indie tabletop RPG company. <laughs> so what I'm saying is if you're going to watch Acquisitions Incorporated, that's beware. What's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> It, yeah, it really could escalate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I quite liked that book, Acquisitions Incorporated. I've never really seen the show, mm. but I quite liked the book. I like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, 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 I definitely don't mind a comedic um, D&D campaign. Yeah. I think 90% of D&D campaigns end up as comedic D&D campaigns anyway, yeah. whether whether by choice or not, because mm-hmm. that just tends to happen. Not always, but 
it does tend to happen. And if you could just lean into that and have fun with it, why not? I quite enjoyed the look of that book. Yeah. Uh, but the Lost Mine of, is it Fandelva? Fandelva, yes. Yes, uh, the Lost Mine of Fandelva is free and will continue to be free, so you don't need to rush to pop yeah. that in your baskets on D&D Beyond. Well, because they're bringing out the new starter set, so I assume that's going to replace the existing starter set, which currently okay. has Lost Mine of Fandelva in. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're going to have Dragons of Stormwreck Isle as the official starter set, I guess. Yes, yes. And talking of Dragons of Stormwreck Isle... Mm-hmm. Um, so you know on the cover of Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, which is coming out later this year, they had some figures which looked an awful lot like the cartoon characters from the 1980s D&D cartoon. Yes. Yeah. And it was later confirmed that they were indeed grown-up versions of those ca- characters. Yes. yes. Which does rather imply that they never escaped, to me, yes. which is unfortunate. That's sad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there was an unfilmed... Um, episode it was scripted but unfilmed episode final episode where they did escape but never that never happened yeah mm-hmm. didn't wasn't there a fan version made of i think a, well? fan, a fan version got put together with mm-hmm. that script yeah yeah um but anyway um whiskits are releasing miniatures of them yes um not all of them um so basically mm-hmm. the original D cartoon characters um, in, I, I'm going to try and remember these off the top of my head and I'm totally going to mess this up. So we had Hank the Ranger. Yes, we, they're, they're there. We had Eric the Cavalier. Yes. We had Diana the Acrobat. Correct. We had Bobby the Barbarian. Yep. We had... Hank the Ranger. Yes, started with that one. Who was yep. the thief? What was the thief's um, name? Do you want me to tell Who turned you invisible? Julia? Sheila? Sheila? Sheila. Sheila the Yeah. And that was it. Was it five? It was five. You've had the Acrobat as yeah. well. Yeah. And so Cavalier, yeah. Ranger, Acrobat, Marlow the Magician. Ah, Presto the Magician. Presto, yeah. Presto is the there one I was go. hoping you would come yeah. to. Because yeah. these minis look like adult versions of Presto, Hank, Eric and Diana. So what they're missing is Sheila's not there. Yeah. But yeah. notably, Sheila could turn invisible, so maybe she is there. That's true, it's an invisible mini. It's in fact a six mini set. Which we're selling which at like EM Publishing. The invisible <laughs> mini. Uh, just, but, send some money, uh, just send EM Publishing some money. A but, nice thick envelope. Yeah. <laughs> but I will... I will well, this, take one, this one's definitely going to get taken down as a scam. Oh, good, goodness sakes. Um, but anyway, so in the minis, there's a cleric there. But there's the original animated series did not feature yeah, character. Yeah. And Bobby so the probably, Barbarian yeah. is not there either. Mm. Neither is Uni the Unicorn. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's two missing and one extra. So it's uh, mm. not quite the cartoon characters. It's four of them and a cleric. Maybe the others died. Oh, no, I don't say that. Sorry, I don't know. I didn't write the script. <laughs> well, now we know what happened, don't we? Now we well, know that four of, them, four of them... They all they all got trapped there. They never escaped. Four of them grew up, and two of them died. Great. Yeah, that's pretty good odds, though. I think for it's children great abandoned odds. in a well, for like it's one been of three chance of dying is not great odds. Well, I don't know if you abandon children and leave them unsupervised in a fantasy world. I think that's quite realistic odds. But there was... They didn't get they didn't get abandoned in the fantasy world. They got on a roller coaster ride, and it all went peat tong due to this like. Weird little dungeon master. Guy. Yeah, I get it. Well, I I don't abandons abandons the wrong words, but I mean they they're not being supervised by adults. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think unsupervised children 
with magical abilities in a fantasy yeah. world is quite dangerous. I, I mean, I got I got to say, like Bobby was always a bit of a liability to the group. To be fair, as was Uni. So mm. yeah, but anyway, he was always getting in trouble. They, it was like half the plot was just well, Bobby's got himself caught up in something now. We have to go rescue him. Oh, um. anyway, um, so UK Games Expert. Let's talk yes. about COVID rules again. So that's uh, fun. So yeah. this is interesting. So. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, UK Games Expo is the only major tabletop convention that isn't applying mm-hmm. COVID rules as of as of now. Yeah. So earlier this week, Gen Con announced yes. that they're requiring vaccines and making um, masks mandatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Origins originally said they weren't. Have now yep. changed their mind and said they are. Yeah. Poisocon is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gen Con, uh, UK Games Expo at no, the moment not, is not. Now there was supposed to be some kind of policy announcement coming out this week, which hasn't yet. The event is two weeks away, though, yeah. so I'd hope yeah. they would. If they do need you to have a negative test with what or something, I'd hope they'd say it soon because tests aren't free at the moment in the UK. I don't think mm, as or no. as available, so people might need some time to get their hands on yeah. a test or yeah. book that before mm-hmm. going. So yeah. Yeah, but they're the only one of those of those four conventions. They're the only one that's not doing any any is, COVID rules. It is here. also the only one in the UK, and the rest are in the US. So. That is true. That is true. And I think that's reflective of generally the UK's policy and attitude towards COVID. Hmm. <laughs> which, which yeah. is just make a statement without opinion. I really hope that we get away with this and we don't come home with COVID. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, very much the, uh, the UK Games Expert saying they'll, you know, support stands to do what they want to on their that stand. That was interesting, yeah. So basically, they kind mm. of shift the responsibility over to mm. the exhibitors saying, on your stand, you can make up whatever rules you want. And if you want to tell um, customers they can't come onto your stand without a mask, wow. it's up to you. It's up what, are you going to have security guards around for, and back us up on that? Are you going to enforce it for, no. you know, that's, that is shit, that is passing the buck. No. That but it's really also is. kind oh, of irrelevant if somebody's wearing a mask and standing this no. side or that side. Of a desk, yeah, of a, yeah. Is, is I, not I mean, really... I've got to say, where is the no peeing section in a swimming pool? If you can tell me that, then I will 100% back them. But you can't. I think anywhere inside this the swimming pool is the no peeing section. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's told you this, but you shouldn't um, be doing that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, like, no, yeah, 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 I know. It's yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, uh, we, you know, for us as exhibitors at the UK Games Expo EM Publishing, we are um, asking our staff and volunteers to wear masks when working on the stand because uh, that's something we feel that you know, we can do. But, yeah, there's nothing in the wider kind of event so we can't really yeah. we won't really be able to enforce or anything for yeah. event attendees we do have some quite nifty branded masks coming we do yes which is which is mildly exciting yes they okay. have em publishing on them <laughs> so everyone knows you work <laughs> at em publishing yeah. but you know staff and volunteers on em publishing can yeah, use yeah. the ones provided or use their own so mm, there is i'm sure it'll be fine I'm sure it'll be fine what could possibly go wrong we all get COVID. Yes. That is exactly, <laughs> yes. That's that is exactly That's, what could possibly go wrong. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That is, yes. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, we're really looking forward to going to the UK Games Expo yeah. and June the 3rd to the 5th in Birmingham, so, okay? And if you're there, please come along and say hi. Uh, but I'm, don't give us I'm, COVID, please. Yeah. I'm looking forward to racing games as well. The TSR News Update. 
Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, there is some TSR news this week, uh, but I don't really want to get yeah. into a debate or talk about this bit of TSR news, but I think it's important to say it because people need to be aware that these things are going on in our hobby. All right, but I don't, make your statement. I don't really want to just go on, just talk about it for ages. All but, right. Um, so a Twitter feed called uh, Dave Films US which a, apparently, and there's an awful lot of evidence to suggest this, belongs to um, yes. the author of TSR's new uh, uh, um, Star Frontiers New Genesis book. The one that nobody's actually seen. The one seen. that nobody's ever actually seen, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Has emerged, and this, right. feed, this feed is possibly one of the most hate-filled screeds I have personally, and I, admittedly, I don't go looking for these things, so I'm... I, I would just like to point out for listeners at home that Russ has also been a moderator on a very popular internet forum for over 20 years now. Yeah. So you I've should take that... Not seen, you should take what he's saying in that I've context. I've not seen anything like this. And this is, this, yeah. this is a Twitter feed which has racist, homophobic, transphobic content, Nazi, Definitely. and white supremacy imagery. It's really extreme. Really extreme. It's not something I was just going to look at. I, I, so, I, so I, the I, tiny mask that TSR were wearing, yeah. it was a very tiny mask. The first they first came onto this show when they were like just being super racist about Native Americans, they're being super super transphobic. It's like yeah, so we know that they're just like that, yeah. and they're, they're they're openly and happily embracing it. And it's like great, thanks. So okay. uh, yeah, I don't want to really get into it. I just want to say because I think yeah. it's important that we know these things are going on in our hobby. Yeah. And okay, you know and. Mm-hmm. Alert people to that, but it's yeah. it's just got on. It's just like the TSR news is sometimes just ludicrous and funny, and you laugh at them. And then sometimes it gets dark, yeah, and yeah. you don't laugh at them. You just you feel just a bit disgusted. You just feel dirty really. for having even seen it. Yeah. 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 So well, there there are a bunch of clowns who are also bigots, yeah. and hopefully they will be sued into oblivion by Wizards of the Coast. For terrible, terrible well, on the uh, on the lawsuit front, a yeah. trial date has been set for October 2023. Oh. oh, okay. So these things always take a really long time. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. this type of suit very, very rarely actually does end up going to trial. Yeah, yeah. It's like like one, one, one in a thousand of them, sort of thing. It's not. It's probably not going to end up as a trial. Oh, I'm feeling a psychic vision. <laughs> oh, oh, a psychic vision. Yeah. Oh. TSR will capitulate completely <laughs> and do whatever was the coast tell them, and then they'll go on social media and claim victory, <laughs> whilst at the same time claiming they were bullied, whilst at the same time launching another crowdfunding effort so people can send them more money mm-hmm. for nothing. Yeah, anyway, well, anyway. That, that's my that's my that's my mystic prediction for twenty twenty three. Anyway, right. that's done. That's done. Um, let's move on and talk about done. some let's more go. fun tabletop RPG <laughs> news. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot. Have you heard um, of Start Playing? I haven't, That's actually. normally what I'm shouting on the Thursday about. <laughs> so, of course, no. Come on, guys. Let's start playing. It's a pro GM finder site, as in professional GM finder mm-hmm. site. Um, oh, yeah. It builds itself as the largest such site. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. Possibly it is. Um, but it has raised $6.5 million. <laughs> 
I've just okay. I just noticed that I wrote in the article six point five dollars, which is quite. <laughs> <laughs> they raised six point five dollars due to generous neg- right. yeah, donations <laughs> from venture capital Maybe firm. Well, from a venture venture capital firm, um, and this this is intended to scale up the business, marketing, increasing the team size, and things like that. Um, I wasn't familiar with the site until I, I saw this. Um, apparently, they launched right. in September twenty twenty. They've got over a thousand mm. professional GMs on their books. Mm-hmm. And they've hosted over 100,000 games. Oh, fun. So they're pretty big. I don't quite know how they slipped under my radar like that. But they're there and they seem to be doing well. And they've just raised $6.5 million. I do remember saying something on Twitter where they were talking about renting a GM. And that stuck in my head because I'm like, well, you don't rent a GM. You might hire a GM. Mm. But GMs are not... but GMs are not inanimate objects to be rented. They are people, skilled labourers, to be hired. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, no, yeah. I've I've been seeing um, online small professional GMs, and I think there's a market for it. Because if you oh, there definitely is. There's people out there that make yeah. a living doing that now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I, I pay for a rented GM. Uh, rented? You I've hired a GM, and yeah, it was good. Um, I think because if friends. yeah, if you if you um if you want to play a particular game, then and your friendship group aren't interested in doing that, and you don't have people to play with, I think that's a really great way to, yeah. to get into the hobby, and also have someone that you know is going to help kind of coach you through how to play as well. Yeah. That. Hey, so uh, Paizo has a new president. They do. So Jim Butler previously was vice president of marketing. Mm-hmm. And is replacing Jeff Alvarez, who is stepping down for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, we'll that's, that's basically the news item. There's not much more to say about that, to be honest. But um, okay. uh, I've, I've met Jim Butler. He seems like a very nice person. Yeah. Um, I don't know Jeff. Um, yeah. You need to ship at Paiso. Well, well uh, Jeff's health recovers. Mm. And um, hope Jim has a lovely and productive and happy relationship with the Paiso Union. Mm. Yeah. Right, what else have we got in the news? You've got any news that I've missed, Jess? Yeah, in terms of Paizo, as well as getting a new president, they also announced the Abomination Vault's Adventure Pathways on its way. Oh, um, right, yeah. Yeah, the hardcover. Yes. yes, so it collects the entire Adventure Path, put in a single book, mm-hmm. um, updated to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and so the rules are for characters from 1st to 11th level. And then there's the 5e one coming later this year, I Yes. Uh, and so in November, they're releasing one that is um, that is for 5th edition. Uh, but the, yeah. the one for 2nd edition is out... Is it out now? No, May 25th. Mm. It's kind of interesting. With like, I think more so than Wizards, Paizo is known for adventure paths. That's mm. kind of their mm. brand. That's kind of their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas Wizards kind of obviously has the sort of rule set market share. So now those two things are being combined with a 5e version of one of Paizo's mm-hmm. adventure paths. Well, they, they'd already done the Savage Worlds version. Yeah, yeah. The Rise of the Rune Lords. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, I really need to get around to it mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, how D&D players will react to sort of like the Paizo approach as opposed to the Wizards approach, how they mm-hmm. differ. I mean... Mm. I don't think they differ massively, to be honest. Having played both Paizo Adventure Paths and Wizards Adventure Paths, mm-hmm. they're not they're not that dissimilar. I don't think. I don't know. I've never actually had a chance to play a Paizo Adventure Path, so yeah. Um, I guess so I'm... I ran Age of Worms. Um, mm-hmm. I played through a Kingmaker, uh, the Extinction Curse. We got a fair way through. Extinction. That's Curse? Pathfinder Second. 
Pathfinder oh, yes. Edition. Yes, you're correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, um, how well that 5e book does, that 5e version does. I've, I, cause I wonder if, like, Paizo continue doing more 5e versions of their, of their books. So, yeah. what will happen with that? Oh. Oh. Sorry, I was just thinking, like, trying to run that. I was thinking I might run that on Roll 20, mm. but I was thinking actually about running it on Foundry instead. Mm. Cause, Advanced Fifth Edition has native support there, mm. but uh, I think that would be quite complicated to do. So that's a bit annoying. Yeah, they'd mm. have to re- actually release it on Foundry as well, I guess. So you've got access yeah. to it. I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tricky. Anyway, that's that's Paizo. Paizo's uh, yeah. making five E stuff. Has a new has a new president. We, we could always write write past them. We know a guy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know that uh, tricorder PDF. Not a tricorder PDF, that tricorder box set that I got. Yes, yes. Oh, and now you can get it in PDF format. Yes. Well, I feel that would like... Rather defeats the point. Bag. The whole point of getting it was that it was a physical tricorder box. <laughs> I mean, this face. Ha, ha, have you seen the tricorder that we are talking about, Jess? Yes, I was talking about today and this week in Tabletop RPG. Oh, fantastic, yes. I have uh, it somewhere. I've, I, I've got a copy. Uh, it's Jess's copy, not your, not your Jess, my Jess. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll go grab it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, yeah, it. but the digital the P- digital one went out, is available now, as well as Discovery Season 3 crew pack. Mm. But apparently that does contain spoilers for Season 3 of Discovery. So if well, given that s- s- Discovery's finished Season 4 now, I don't think that's too... Yeah, yeah. but some people might still be catching up. Yeah. Um, there we go. That's the tricorder. It is very cool. I, 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 it, it is pretty cool. Um, I like the magnetised latches. Um, it's actually quite solid. That was one of the things mm. that we were commenting on, I think, before. Like, because it just has a real, um, you know, real look to it. I haven't managed to persuade my lovely wife to run the game of Star Trek out of it, mm. but, yeah, I live in hope. Yeah, just keep at it. Um, yeah. Is there any more news? Critical Role and Dimension 20. Okay. Um, so they've announced a new streaming miniseries they're doing, which is Alexandria Unlimited mm-hmm. Calamity. Mm-hmm. It's called Calamity. So I imagine that doesn't sound good. I know. So that sounds uh, the Brent... opposite of what you want. I know. So I think they're not going to have a great time of it. All right. So uh, the series is GM by Brandon Lee Mulligan, and it's got a selection of players that you'll recognise from previous campaigns, like Lou Wilson, Marisha Ray, Sam Regal, uh, and people like that. Um, but yeah, so it is airing on Thursday, May 26th, and running until June 16th. You can catch it there. And Russ is shaking his head at me because I didn't go through the list of all the players because I couldn't be bothered. But there's lots of great players in there, so you can check that out. And it's all the usual kind of cast of people that you're used to seeing on Critical Role and Dimension 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of names. And, you know. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of names. Um, <laughs> I have a little bit of a blast for past. Like, you know, I do like to occasionally find out what's been happening with people who've been on our podcast and been talking about all the cool stuff they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ, <laughs> uh, you remember Navathim's End? It's uh was Pampers Island was working on it. Oh more than yeah, many yes, things yes, she was working yes, on. Yes, yes. Yes. It it was basically quite cool quite a cool idea. It's like a, all about you are dealing with a incoming series of apocalypses, identifying the magnitude of the apocalypse you're dealing with and what's causing it are just part of the play session, uh powered by the apocalypse, um mm-hmm. and now available on itch.io. Excellent. I, I thought I thought it was I thought it looked like a, a load of fun and the the cover of the book uh, I put a link in the chat has uh, yeah 
I, I thought it was very pretty as well. Hey, shall we indulge ourselves momentarily with a little bit self indulgence of self promotion on this podcast? <laughs> I I will bid you good day, sir. Gosh, <laughs> well, would you like to start, Peter, with a bit of self promotion? How's your Kickstarter going? Uh, it's not too bad. We are. Let me just see if we've made it. You're what, a week in now, ten days in, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started on Tuesday before last, and we are now in the fantastic round of just broken, um, stretch goal one. We've got $5,093, which is a payment for the creators. Hmm. Why don't you remind the good viewers, not viewers, listeners, um, what, what your Kickstarter is? What, Homer and Hacking Crafting Personalized Feats? That's the one. Yes, yes, that's it. Uh, well, we have. Over 30 regular feats which you can just drag and drop into your game of Dungeons and Dragons or Advanced 5th Edition. We have Synergy Feat Trees, which are essentially feat chains which you can take when you have taken three classes in one class and three classes in another and throw those in. Those exist. And we also have Transformational Feats, which is when, say, Fey or Abominations or um, Calcoy Mind Wasps mess with you. And you'd like to represent that in your character's group. Well, as we established previously, not actual wasps. Not actual, not actual wasps. wasps, no. I mean, also probably the biggest selling point is that there is a huge list of tables which allow you to make up your own feats, which should be mechanically balanced with advanced fifth edition. So if you wish to have wasps and bees have that sort of effect in your game, yeah, why not? Hmm. I don't judge. I merely enable you. I see. And Jess... Do you have any Kickstarter news you'd like to share? Boy, do I, Russ. Uh, yeah, so we just finished uh, Can We Keep It? Pets for Your 5e game the other week. And yeah. we sent out all the PDFs. And this Sunday Ooh. is everyone's deadline to give us their address so we can send them their books next week. And so mm-hmm. because that's kind of tied away, we are doing a new Kickstarter campaign. Oh, we? Uh, <laughs> gosh. Um, it's called Sickness and Health, New Diseases for Ooh. Your 5e Game. Um, so we're taking a bit of a 180 from cute fluffy pets to uh, mm. disgusting illnesses. And if you look at the banner image art and the art on the front page, you'll see mm. what I mean. Um, yeah, but so this is uh, one of our quick start campaigns. So again, it'll run for two weeks. As soon as the campaign finishes, you get the PDF straight away. Um, if you heard about uh, the pets, can we keep it a bit late? That's an add-on on this project. Yeah. So don't worry. Uh, but yeah, but this project, it's it's got loads of different diseases. So it's got like 16 new diseases and it's got two adventures uh, that is kind of a two part. So the first adventure is kind of for third to sixth level players. And then they can come back later and discover the second part when they're at seventh to ninth level. Um, so this is something if you're running a big campaign, you can kind of drop these adventures in as something uh, which is quite nice. Yeah. But the diseases is what we're really here for. So we've got like different supernatural ones. They've got things like bottle fever, demonic plague, the walking rot. Um, and then there's some that come from Plania travelers. Um, so if you're traveling the material realm, sometimes there's some weird and funky sicknesses you can get from that. Um, like spectral thought worms, for example, hmm. which may be a little bit difficult. In fact, I think to, I actually uh, have do. spectral thought worms. Oh, oh that I'm so wrong. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't, what, I don't really understand. Will this book tell me how to cure myself of the spectral thought worms? I believe it does. Actually, it has <laughs> it has explanations uh, on how you can do that. So maybe if you purchase that, you can deal with that. Russ, I'll go. I'll it, go to the chemist. A, a matter of lesser restoration, Russ. I'm sure all you need to do is find the third level cleric who's got that prepped, and you'll well, be fine. Do I know any third level clerics? Here's the thing: not all of these diseases can be resolved that simply. Actually. 
bum, and that's bum, the issue bum. with a lot of them. So we have some diabolical diseases, uh, yeah. which means you know it you can't easily be remedied by the things that you usually there do. There is there is one disease that can only be removed by taking a certain amount of dragon fire damage. <laughs> you, you've got to <laughs> literally expose yourself to dragon breath. <laughs> So this is making diseases be a little bit more scary. Because I think, like you say, yeah. at the moment you just go, oh, just go to a cleric, sort it out, be fine. So it makes it a little bit more interesting. And there's some kind of cool concepts here as well. Mm. But yeah, so I, or, I think it's... Or just it's- be a third level paladin or a sufficiently high level monk. And you just don't get diseases. But in this, actually, that's um. not true anymore. So... And also, your yes. entire party probably isn't third level paladins. Well, it might be. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it's the you're playing uh, the knight's of something yeah. kind of thing but yeah so nice that's, you say me yes but that's but that's um that's <laughs> coming next week on tuesday uh yeah. the 24th 24th yes it yeah. is i just i panicked on tuesday the 24th that will be going live but you can follow um click for a notification when it launches uh now and we'll put the links for that in the show notes yes check that out. uh but yeah but i'm very excited for that and it's a completely different vibe to the last campaign um mm. so hopefully people are in the mood for this as well <laughs> as it yeah, just a quick question. What is your favourite disease? In real life book? or in this book? From the book. Uh, so I quite like these spectral thought worms that Russ yeah. has in yeah. real life yeah. as well. Because yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's something really dif- different. And I also like the idea that you get some diseases from jumping between you know different uh, dimensions and things like that. So oh. there's some more kind of consequence to it. That also, mm-hmm. and these diseases for players as, as characters... They'd be quite terrifying because you wouldn't know what's mm. happening to you. Because, like, mm. um, depending on obviously your campaign setting, in my campaign setting, people generally can't travel the multiverse. There's been reasons mm-hmm. why that's not a thing. Um, mm. And so, if someone's been able to do that, that's like quite a wild thing and a big deal. Mm. So, the fact that there's some sort of consequence and something unknown and terrifying about doing that mm. is a concept I really like. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, as always, just seven pounds for the PDF of that, and we'll fulfill it instantly. And all the other quick starter books we you, you can have as add-ons as well. So if you, like I said, if you missed Can We Keep It Pets, because I heard a few messages about that, um, it will be available here as an add-on. So you can grab that too. Right, I think we've done the news now. Okay, so Kickstarters, Kickstarters, Kickstarters. Have any Kickstarters caught your eyes this week? Yes, in a word. Would you like Would me you to elaborate? To explain? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Yes. It was not a closed binary yes or no question. Cool. Great. Just checking. So uh, I would like to talk about the Die uh, RPG, which sounds mm. very, um, very joyful, being D- Die as in D-I-E, which mm. could mean as in a dice or like d- the act of death. Um, so that's the role-playing game and it's uh, on Kickstarter now by Rowan Rook and Deckard and it's doing very very well it's over a quarter of a million pounds I think it's on 2,700 276,000 pounds oh god I can't speak today it's doing well good job Uh, I'm very excited about this campaign it's based off the uh, Die uh, comic book or graphic novel which is done by Mm -hmm. Kieran Gillen and Kieran Gillen also has made the tabletop role-playing game and they were kind of made alongside each other so if you're aware of the setting and this is the setting for the game as well you are a group of people that are playing um a role-playing game and you so you have your your the player character that you make and then your player character makes a character for the game and then you get sucked into the game and you are that hero that you're playing and it's kind of like a bit of a metaphor for all um 
all the kind of issues and flawed things that your character persona has. So maybe, for example, the character you're playing in real life, they're having a really, I don't know, they're having like a difficult relationship with their parents or something. And so that means when they're in the game, maybe the bad guy like has their parents' face or something like that. So it's kind of dealing with mundane, real world kind of issues and struggles that we have, but placing it in a role-playing setting and it's kind of a bit meta and exploring why we play role-playing games and, mm. and things like that. But also very interestingly, at the end, people as a group decide whether or not they want to leave or not. And it has to be a unanimous decision. And some people, their characters mm. may decide, actually, no, I prefer being in this fantasy world. I prefer this escape from reality. And other people want what to get back to they reality. Can't come to a unanimous decision that you're not allowed to end the game until you have. Is it like a jury? I don't think that's quite, quite, uh, quite you get sequestered. But everyone, everyone has to, I think everybody has to agree to leave is kind of the situation. Um, but you can delve, uh, I talk about this a lot more because I had them on. I did a pre recorded episode for Not D&D. Mm. Uh, so we're spending a full hour talking about this. And Kieran Gillen is there talking about it. And also uh, Grant Howitt from Rome, Rook and Deckard as well. And so we have a chat about this for an hour. So if you are interested, that will be streaming on Monday, May the 30th, if you really want to dig in and um, listen to our chat about that. But it's super interesting. Uh, It's an original system they did as well, which is a D6 dice pool. But then interestingly, depending on your character class, you have um, uh, access to another dice. So like one class will have the D8, another class will have the D10 and the D12, and they use them in different ways. So it's super interesting, and it's been play tested for like five years. So um, wow, yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. The art is beautiful, and it's a really interesting concept and game. So it's it's one I've backed, and I'm very excited about. Excellent. Hmm. What about you, Peter? What have you got your eyes on? The thing that I'm probably most interested in is a Kickstarter that is ending on the 10th of June. Okay, hmm. that's ages yeah. away. I know, I know. It seems like a long time, but it's uh, part of Cobalt's Trust campaign builder series. Oh, right, this yeah. One's for cities and towns. The idea is that you're able to create and enhance fantasy cities. Mm-hmm. One of the things that attracts me about it is that they do have wet, dry erase battle maps, uh, which are like two foot by three foot. Oh, I am a fan of those. Yeah, I know, I know. Not, not so uh, good for playing on Zoom, unfortunately, but... Yeah, it's true. Uh, you're looking at $44 for uh, a soft cover and a PDF, uh, and also you get a hard cover of the book and the Roll20 version of the map folio. So that seems like a really, really nice deal. Yeah, let me just click Yeah, here. I've seen that one advertised. That caught my eye too. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it looks pretty nice because sometimes, uh, well, basically it just looks like a really nice... Products you can loot for bits yeah. for your the own Kerbal cities. Press really know what they're doing. They're like yes. the third-party D&D publisher, basically, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They know a whole lot about the game. And this looks like a very useful resource. Uh, really helps bring the world to life. So that's why I personally am uh, having a good look at it. Yeah. Um, $44. Looks like a good deal. But obviously, I have to consider postage, so there is that. Well, I'm looking at Everyday Heroes, which we've mentioned before, and that was mm-hmm. the 5e version of D20 Modern, and it launched this week on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that came with the whole great big pile of licensed um, cinematic adventures. So there was oh, yeah, Highlander, yeah. Pacific Rim, uh, mm-hmm. Rambo, Total Recall, The Crow, Kong Skull Island, and some others. Mm-hmm. Many, many so, others. Long list. Yeah, yeah. Which I still, I still wonder if they just came in sort of like a, a big package or something. But, uh, yeah, so, like, the D20 mod, as I recall when it came out, I never recall it being massive, 
but it does have kind of like a fairly loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. So this Kickstarter, while it hasn't sort of like, it's not going to be a million dollar Kickstarter, like say Blade Runner mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, it's doing, you know, it's doing a respectable, it's coming up to 200,000 with nearly a month left to go. So it's going to do extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's really well presented as well. Um, I am almost certainly going to back it before it ends. I haven't done yet, but I'm almost certainly going to yeah. back it before the end. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, so I don't need to go into too much detail here, I don't think. But, um, I think if, if, if you like D20 modern or you like the idea of 5e in a modern day setting, action hero kind of 80s setting, I think is more the theme. Um, I think this is a really, really good choice. Sounds good. I mean, we've had like some fairly similar styles of games before, like uh, the Spy Game. Yep, came out probably about two, three years ago. Yeah, now. that's more focused, I think, that one. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is so this D twenty. This is feels like a more generic version. Mm. Nobody to support that mm. sort of thing. But, mm. okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, Balthazar, City of Thieves. We'd best be on our guard. Keep out of the dark alleys. Try to avoid eye contact and make sure your purse strings are tight. Oh, I've been wanting to visit Balthasar for years. Never has a city been so steeped in lawlessness and crime. Oh, the stories it must hide. Never mind the stories. Our mission here says we're here to find the Incongruous Thieves Guild. That doesn't say incongruous. It says incognito. We're here to find the Thieves Guild incognito. Yes, it is we who are operating incognito. Although I'd argue we are fairly incongruous too. Enough chit-chat. Nah, let's find the Thieves Guild and get out of here. <laughs> it won't be easy. These girls are notoriously secret. So it is incognito then. Yes, yes, the Thieves Guild is also incognito. We're incognito, it's incognito, everyone is incognito. Oh, I'm really quite excited. I've never been to a Thieves Guild. <laughs> Me neither. Will we need a password or something? No, 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 no. Just, just follow my lead. Now, I apprehend this young pickpocket who's revealed to me that the Thieves' Guild is located in Copperbottom Street. Oh, well, that was easy. What were you saying about them being notoriously secret? I guess I'm just that good. I'll get directions. Here! Excuse me! Could you tell me where the Thieves' Guild in Copperbottom Street is? Shh! Lower your voice! You'll get us all killed! Look, the first rule of Thieves' Guild is you never talk about the Thieves' Guild. I didn't know these thieves were all about the rules. Well, there are. Oh. Can, I, can I get a copy of them? Uh, sure, look, I'll get them laminated for you. Anything else? All right, all right, no need to be sarky. Oh, well, you two bicker. Look, I've gotten directions to Copperbottom Street. It's just down this dark alley here. I thought you said to keep air at dark alleys. It seems we have no choice. Oh, stay alert. The walls have eyes. Well, ears. Do th- uh, eyes or ears? You know, I don't think they have either. But they do hide ne'er-do-wells, cutpurses and assorted ruffians. Yeah, well, I hide a very sharp greatsword. Bring it on! I can sense we're being watched. Just keep walking. Don't look around. We're nearly there. If any wannabe assailants come too close, they'll meet the wrong end of Mr. Sharpie. What? What? My sword. Right. What? Nothing. L- look, here we are. How do you know? Trust me, I know. 
Should there be a sign or something? Sorry, a sign saying Thieves Guild? Well, yeah, that would be really helpful. Okay, do you understand that the Thieves Guild is a secret organisation characterised by subterfuge and skullduggery which it derives from its power of anonymity and operates in a mysterious underground fashion? Oh, oh look, there's a little sign over there. Oh, oh yeah, so there is. Balthazar Thieves Guild. I guess we found it. Oh, look, on the door. Oh, it, it says they're closed. Closed? It says here, opening hours, nine to five, weekdays only. Well, what time is it now? Well, I make it just on five. And they're closed already? What sort of thieves' guild only works during business hours? Well, even thieves have families and hobbies, you know. Yeah, let's be reasonable. They're, they're thieves, not werewolves. But the whole point of a thieves' guild is... To, oh, oh, you know what, never mind. Are we sure this is the thieves' guild? Well, there is there is a sign. Well, yeah, yeah, but the way our friend managed to get the location out of that pickpocket so quickly... What of it? And the fact that, as you say, there's a sign right here next to the door. Yeah, and? Uh, for an organisation with a reputation of clandestine secrecy. Are you trying to say... It's too easy. Yeah. It's like, it's like they want to be found. What kind of thieves' guild wants to be found? A thieves' guild that isn't a thieves' guild, that's what. Well, if... If this isn't the Thieves' Guild, what is it? Some kind of trap? Oh, stand up, my friends. I fear we are in mortal danger. Well, lucky we have Mr Sharpie to protect us then. Mr Sharpie does not appreciate your sarcasm. Okay, let's walk slowly and carefully back out of this alley. Once we're in the main square, we should be safe. I don't think the clowns want us to. What? What? The clowns. Our way is blocked by clowns. Clowns? What clowns doing here? Okay, this is getting ridiculous. Tell me about it. That one's a little tricycle. Look at it. Look, you fools. you got the pages stuck together. We've wandered into a different sketch. Ah, uh, that would make much more sense. Um, How does this one end? Ah, uh, yes. Let me check. Uh, we all get eaten alive by velociraptors. What? That makes even less sense. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Another page is missing. But can't you just find a sketch which ends well for us before we end up as clown fodder? Oh, I've an idea. What you could do, the polearm sketch again. Oh, good, good, good. I'll be the shopkeeper, you be the customer. Very well. Uh, uh, good morning. I, I, I wish to purchase a polearm. Ah, you've come to the right place, my friend. Finest polearm shop in the district. Oh, excellent. Uh, do you have... A bohemian beer spoon. Oh, you know, I, I really can't take any more of this. Can you just bring back the clowns? Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires. So many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. 
Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Oh, well, we don't actually have a topic to discuss this week. I know. we. Uh, oh, I got like a, a book of swords. <laughs> it's uh, from, okay. um, from 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 Dyson. Dyson the vacuum cleaner maker. Yes, yeah, Dyson the vacuum cleaner. Uh, apparently, apparently the guy who does that also makes a lot of mats as well, which you really like. But weirdly, it's like it's sort of stuff like you know you get like a little swordy, and then you get like a little story about the sword, which is quite cool. Oh, also, uh, I guess we could talk about I don't know magic items, cool magic items. That's yeah. It's like you're a GM and we're a player party and. You can't be asked for any session this week. So you're like, oh, let's just do some shopping. You have something out of the book. Yeah. And everyone goes quiet and starts reading. Yes. And looking Stuff for what I terrible, want. Terrible, terrible. Um... Well, I've got a magic <laughs> item. So if we're talking about magic items in games, I've got yeah. some of my D&D 5th edition games. I don't know if these are official ones or like homebrew ones, but they're ones I got in my games that I really liked. Mm. And on my first ever campaign, I played a rogue and she had these porter's gloves. And so mm. you you clicked your hands and you it had like more complex rules, obviously, a bit, but you could take mm. something out of someone's pocket and it would teleport into your hand. But if you couldn't see mm. it, you'd have to like roll a dice if it was the thing you wanted or you just got something random from their hand. But if you could see okay. it you and it was in a certain distance, you could just have it in your hand. They were mm. very cool. Mm. I like those. Yeah. I could see how that could go horribly wrong. Yes. Yeah. If you end up with the wrong, if you if your timing is off and you end up with the wrong thing, mm-hmm. that could be bad. It could, yeah. but yeah, that was good. And my current, I'm playing Rogue again in my the third campaign I'm in, um, and I have uh, a belt of returning, which I like very much for my daggers, so I can throw them at people. Oh, yeah, sure. The daggers returns to my belt. That's always handy. Yeah, I like that. So that's. I, I always like magic items that feel kind of unique rather than... I, I always like it when, like, if you've got a magic item, that's the only one like it in the world. I like the idea of that, rather than yeah. there being sort of like, you know, lots and lots of these things. Yeah. So each one's unique, mm. and you'll never see another one like that. I always kind of like that mm. idea with magic items. Yeah, rather than having like a big bag of plus one magic swords. Because, mm. uh, mm. oh, because I, I remember a friend was telling me, telling me about an older version of D&D where they'd got to a certain stage and they, it was like they just had loads and loads of plus one magic swords. So every time that came up was loot, nobody else wanted it because they were better kids. They said, oh, well, I'll take it. And they buried them until uh, they got to the very late game, mm. at which point he armed his entire army with all these plus one magic swords, which gave them a strong uh, plus five percent bonus to all their all their conquering rolls. Mm. So that was the thing. Yeah, yeah. I always, I, I like the way, like, mm. I don't, don't know how familiar you didn't play an awful lot of three, did you, Peter? Mm-mm. I didn't play that, any. 
well, back then, sort of the idea of you having a certain number of magic items was baked into the actual game advancement mathematics. Yeah, wealth by level sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, and also encounters were therefore balanced, assuming you had that amount of magic items, mm. which basically meant that as you went up in levels, every yeah. character basically, I mean, the phrase that kind of got banded about just became a Christmas tree, just festooned mm. with dozens and dozens, <laughs> and not necessarily through choice, you had to. Because if yeah. you didn't, you'd be well, Entirely well... Effective. Yeah, yeah. You li- yeah. The game's maths literally said that you have to do that. You have. Yeah, yeah. And there were some minimum ones you had to have. You had to have a ring of protection of a certain amount and this and that and the other in order to be, you know, adequate in the game. So I'm kind of glad that 5e has dialed that back a lot <laughs> and all forgot. Mm. Because that... It, I mean, you know, it was fine for what it was, as long as you bought into that fiction, I guess. But sometimes if you wanted to play something a little different, if you wanted to play something a little more Tolkien-esque, you don't see people in Lord of the Rings wandering around festooned with glittery baubles and magic items hanging off every, you know, bit of clothing, do you? They might have one, possibly one, magic item. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the magic item... Well, the Hobbits did quite well. You have mithril shirts, mm-hmm. like little... Sting, I reckon that's probably a plus one sword. Yeah, but has I, a magic minor magic property. Yeah, but I think if you think of uh, yeah, if you think of Frodo, oh, who had those two yeah. items, he probably yeah. had the most number of magic items out of anybody, apart from Gandalf. But, well, well yeah. uh, like you got Narsil that became yeah, Andrew, yeah, true. If I recall, uh, although that was mostly broken for most of the game. Mm. But also, if you go with the books. I think they did also pick up some swords from the the White's Grave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I seem to Tom recall Bombadil, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Tom Bombadil, as I recall, rescued them from... Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that all then, got cut out of the film, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then Bilbo gave Frodo Sting. Because mm. it's like, wow, well, yeah. And then Sting yeah, started like, singing... Oh, I thought that was uh, shortly before he stripped down to his underpants and got the fight with yes. uh, the <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm sorry, Jess. <laughs> I did not mean to traumatise you in such a pattern. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not upset, I'm just disappointed. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Yeah. No, I like the idea of magic items that grow with you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you get a magic sword early on in your game and it... Mm gets more powerful as so you don't outstrip the magic item. So if the yeah. magic sword is part of your identity mm. and part of your image and part of how you envisage your character, getting to the point where I'm now tenth level and this magic sword is basically a trinket to me now. Yeah. I oh, have to well, go and find the... myself a better magic item or that magic item can grow with you and become more powerful as you do. Or or as part of your background where you start off with a um an heirloom or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like yeah. your heirloom sword and it's like Oh, well, this is a hurdy tool. It's got immense significance to me. It bears my honour. It bears my father's honour. Yeah. Oh, found a plus one. Right. In the trash of you. Mm. I'm using this one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is nice when you get um, items given to you that are part of, like, kind of your backstory or something like that as well. Like, I had, um, mm. we had a creepy encounter in the Shadowfell where we fell asleep and something had put something in each of our bags as a little gift Ooh. for us. Ooh. And oh. some of these were quite, no. No, some of them were quite <laughs> disturbing. One of them, one of the characters, is a book filled of uh, drawings and pictures of you that looks like you've drawn them, but you never drew them. So that's really creepy. Imagine waking up after being asleep and finding a book full of hundreds of hand-drawn pictures of yourself. Well, fortunately, if it looked like I'd drawn them, 
I wouldn't be able to recognise them as myself. So I <laughs> that's be true. Fine. He was like, "Where are these stick men?" <laughs> yeah. And that looks like a dog next to them. Um, and this other person had this veil, and whenever you put it on, it makes you like experience grief and weep uncontrollably whenever Ooh. you wear it. Ooh. Which is like that's not nice. Yeah, it wasn't. And they were all like of this ilk. And mine was uh, this contract of my dead friend who had died, my character's dead friend, uh, clear, mm. uh, who died previously in the campaign, and it showed that their soul belonged to somebody. Mm. And I was like, why Why do this? This is horrible. Yeah. And that's literally what my character did. They just flipped out. They're like, why is someone coming in the night to her sleeping and putting creepy things in our bags? That is quite um, creepy. I like that. I don't get it. It is. Yeah, yeah, it was really <laughs> nice. And there was oh. other creepy things as well. They were like these kind of, we saw we've been interacting with these items as well. Well, they're the, we saw these little dolls in the woods, and they look creepy, like in the shadow fields. So we're like, don't deal with them. And then as we walked, we kept seeing them in different trees. But the further and further we walked, the more and more they looked like us. Mm. And so that was terrifying and awful. So items mm. can be used like to drive story as well. And I have yeah. one item that I haven't used yet which um, I found and it came with a note written to my character and said, if you call out this person's name, we'll come to your aid, but you'll owe me a favor. And I have no idea who they are. So this is a dagger that at some point when my back's really against the wall, I might have to use it, but I have no idea what the consequence is. It's going to turn out to be someone really useless, like a clown will show up or a mime. A mime (laughs) will show up and just... (laughs) I'm yeah. on the podcast. But work, I don't know it? but I don't know who yeah. they are, so yeah. But mm. um but yeah, so I think mm. items can also be used in story. Or sometimes yeah, you just get a cool thing. Like I got given also a flask lot pistol. Mm. So I can mm. shoot potions at people. Yeah. Because <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. Um so one of the things I noticed about Advanced Fifth Edition is because when we when we were doing when we were writing the magic items, if we'd saved any space and had carefully hoarded our words we got to make some of our own magic items but of course we weren't really all sharing what we were all doing at the same time because there's like 20 people all working remotely none of whom were actually ever in the same room so we ended up giving a lot of love to rogues like a lot of love Mm. (laughs) there's like three different magical sets of thieves tools that i can think of off the top of my head i've just noticed having randomly opened up the trials and treasures that there's the glass ring and there is a magic lantern of some sort which uh casts light that you can make invisible to yourself which to be honest i i, I it hurts my brain whenever i think about that magic item yeah what is yes it? yeah so what? so i think the idea is it's supposed to be like a, a thieves lantern that it's, it's the hand of glory that's the one mm. oh and you're you're going around and you've got this you've got this um basically uh, a hand of glory is from old um sort of witchcraft law folklore mm-hmm. that sort of thing where you've got the hand of a hanged man you've cut it off you've turned it into a candle lovely <laughs> and then you light one of the fingers this doesn't seem like the sort of thing i would do to be fair well presumably you speak for yourself uh, has, for has, a, <laughs> has a rogue presumably you've like acquired it from somewhere else um and, and so you're going around and the idea is like while the things are lit the occupants of the house would be asleep so it let you creep around um and we've got one that uh you can change it so that you can no longer see the light but everyone else which, can yes what's the purpose of that surely it'd be better the other way around yes that's what i thought but i don't I'm, I'm still struggling to understand it. I'm sure there's a clever reason for it, but 
No, so I don't understand that either. No. Is it a blinding light? Is it no. if everyone's got dark vision so, and you're trying is that, to... Is, is that a mic item? Uh, Mike did reply to me explaining what it is. Mm. Uh, so maybe it is. I don't know. Um, it just seems like a really strange way around to do it. It's like light that only you can see. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but light that only other people can see. So <laughs> if you don't have dark vision and you're well, in a dark room, a, you said, change it, then suddenly everyone can see you. Maybe you it's a cursed anything. item. Maybe that's the point of it. Is it's a yeah? You think item. it's yeah? You think it's going to be one thing, and then you actually light it in the situation. You're like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's actually. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, mm. I don't know. <laughs> How do you feel about like the availability of magic items? Do you like the idea of players being able to just buy magic items? I'm split. I'm torn. Okay. I generally would lean towards no. I think because I think whenever you have a shopping episode, I think the GM can say, "Well, in this area of town, it makes sense that these sorts of items are available to you." But I think legendary, really powerful things should only be bestowed onto you by the GM buy the story and have a good reason to do that yeah you don't want to go to a shop and find it's got a set of 50% off Excaliburs exactly yeah like mm-hmm. sure you can buy a, a good sword somewhere if you're in a mm. if you're in a city mm. and there's blacksmiths there but to get mm. magical items but that, I guess that depends on your world and, and, and how you're doing mm. it but I think it should be something that GMs control because then you can balance it so everyone could get magical mm. items because that's generally how I've had it in my game. Like something will happen at a point in the story and there's a situation that means everybody gets a thing because mm-hmm. we've done a thing. Like a reward for doing a quest, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only problem with that is I've tried doing that and to me, it was really obvious from what people had said what magic items they wanted. Mm. Uh, and then I hand out the magic items and they're like, oh, okay. And then they give two or three of them to one player and the people who it would be re- to me it's like really obvious like if you've got a bard who's enjoying talking it feels like a hat of disguise would be a really useful thing for them to get up to shenanigans with but no they're like okay we'll give it to the paladin i'm like but he doesn't talk to anyone he's an idiot <laughs> like in character out of character very smart guy but like mm-hmm. he's playing a really lawful stupid paladin mm-hmm. i'm like okay uh so yeah uh so i think being able to purchase the things you want mm-hmm. is kind of nice Mm. I don't know if I go with magical full magical Costco, but yeah, it's got magical. Well, the other way, the other way you can do that, and I have seen it used, and mm. I'm not sure how I feel about that from an immersion point of view. Is mm. rather than letting players be able to just you know magical Costco it, as you say, you can when you hand out magical items as part of a treasure, mm-hmm. you hand over the narrative a little bit over to your players and say, okay, you can decide mm-hmm. what treasure you've just found. Mm. And then okay. that can work. I don't know if that's immersion breaking or not. It's it's tricky. I mean, yes, to a certain extent, it is immersion breaking because people are forced to make that sort of decision. Mm. But in terms of practicality, it's quite useful. Yeah, mm. I yeah. I'm kind of okay with it because I don't expect a hundred percent full immersion from my role playing games. But I think that's because mm. I also do LARPing, and in mm. a LARP, mm. I want full immersion because we're talking. There's you know, but in a role playing game, you do stop to roll dice to sign what happens and that's mm. technically you know so i i yeah. that wouldn't yeah be a problem for me right yeah yeah mm. i think i'd probably be okay with that yeah. i've never tried it myself but i think i'd probably be okay with that. yeah i mean one of the things that my my first experimenting with that sort of thing was i restricted the sort of magical items i would give out like i didn't really 
like consumable magic items, mm. Mm. like having lots of healing potions flopping around in wasn't something I wanted. Mm. I wanted, when you got a magic item, for it to have a certain weight to it, mm. for it to have like a little backstory that you could make up about it. And there was a very good thing in the DMG, which lets you have um, different properties you could assign to it. Like maybe it sang softly to you when no one was listening, or yeah. it, stuck, or it could cast like a little bit oh, of light. Oh, yeah. So I think any, any magic item... You should, hmm. you know, with the exception perhaps of potions of healing and stuff, but hmm. you should probably name it and give it at least a sentence of backstory. Yeah. Just yeah. to give it a place in the world. And that will just make it feel more real and feel it less, it'll feel less Costco, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's Yeah. I, I mean, one thing I was contemplating is potentially having magic items, just having like a list, mm. like, but not like a full thing but like quite a restricted list of these are the magic items these are the things that wander in the world mm. um, and this in some ways does then mean that you have the option to craft your own mm. if, if you want something that isn't on this list of things that people have done then you can make your own so mm. uh, yeah it's got something to it maybe because mm. um, because uh, even with level up there's like stuff that I really like and stuff that I get a bit um, about, like for for example, the Gremlin Translator. It's uh, a little, a a tiny ethereal orange goblinoid that sits inside a decorative silver earring <laughs> and um, translates languages for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and your problem with yeah. that is, does it want to be it's there? Fr- is it there of its own free will? Yeah, I mean, also it's a bit silly, mm-hmm. and oh, well, I um, like silly though. But the thing is, some yeah. some some D and D games are silly. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, you, but but what if I didn't want to run a silly game? Then you then wouldn't don't have, have that the item. item. I, yeah, I think that's a really easy answer. Yeah. <laughs> you tailor you yeah. your game the way you like it. Yeah, I mean, so you, yeah. it's like you okay. say, it's a shopping list of magic so, items. So you pick the ones that suit your campaign mm-hmm. and what you're doing. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that particular book has what three hundred magic items in oh, it or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am impressed by the. I would, I would say that breath. any given campaign will use. A couple of dozen of them at most. Mm-mm-mm. You know, you don't have to Definitely. use every single item in every game. That's how you win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the purpose okay. of DD. Yeah, to use all of the <laughs> things. Yes. Well, well, yeah, you go around, kill creatures, steal the stuff. That's, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. One of my other favourite magic items I've seen is um, a bag of holding, but it's a second hand bag of holding. Right. And it works in exactly the same way, except whenever you take anything out, it's always covered in glitter because someone drops some <laughs> glitter in there at some point and now it's on everything. <laughs> and it was just so stupid and pointless. I was like, yes, <sighs> like, love it. Mm. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of sort of... I don't know how I feel so much about magic items like the bag of holding and stuff, which mm. is just so, so D&D yeah. that... They kind of take me out of any world that isn't like default kitchen sink D and D. Does that mm. make sense? Like you yeah. put a bag of holding in there, you're putting a signpost on it saying we're playing D and D. Very literally. Um, so I kind of feel like some, and there's quite a few magic items like that in D and D that have become such staples of the game. Yeah, and they're such mm. core items that everybody always has them. That, like that an I, immovable rod, I, say. I actually find them a little bit immersion breaking. Oh, that's interesting. It, it, it mean, very much highlights to me I'm in a game rather than in the world that, that's been presented to me. 
Oh, okay. So the Gremlin translator, I'm a weirdo for not liking that, but a bag of holding. Yeah, so you oh, like a weirdo. You put that in like a, a Pratchett style game, though. Yeah, yeah. It'd but, be fine. But, what, what, what Pratchett style games have you played in? Because I've heard of them. I've seen them online. Sure. I'm sure but I've got plenty them. of games unwillingly end up being Pratchett style games. Yeah. I, I like Pratchett style games, but I think they're but, but managing that level of humour and cunning and still being entertaining a good story seems hard. Oh, me. well, nobody's saying, nobody's not... saying you're going to be as good as Pratchett any more than when you're running a different game, you're going to be as good as Tolkien, you know. You're going to be mm. you. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's not a competition to be as good as a best-selling, internationally acclaimed, beloved author. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is something interesting you touched on there as well. It's kind of not related, but... Uh, being the most entertaining being the best at it I think some players do think that is how you win at a role playing game because I know some people that feel a huge amount of pressure to perform at the table and be interesting to other people mm. to the point at the detriment of their own game but maybe yeah. that's a different topic for another week yeah I mean I with me it very much depends on my energy and sometimes yeah. I feel like that and sometimes I don't and if I don't feel like it I can't do it I just can't yeah so maybe a topic yeah. for next week is how do you win a role playing <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. By stealing all the spotlight, don't let any GM, other players have yeah. a go. By being the GM and killing everyone. That's how you win, right? Yeah, because it's really hard to kill everyone when you're the GM. Yeah. Yeah. What else have we got to talk about about magic items then? What other things spring to mind? I think of magic items as very much kind of a D&D thing. Mm. I feel it's less in other indie games I've played. Do you. Do you would you guys agree? Or I think so, but I think possibly a lot of games steer away from it because it's such a D&D thing. Yeah. Because D&D very much is, you know, right back to, like, the sword plus one mm. being and a potion of cure light wounds back in 1970, whatever, just being mm. such a staple element of D&D up mm. until now. Like, magic items have always been a major, major part of it. So I think, you know, other games might try to steer away from that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose to an extent, it depends what you're playing. Mm, yeah. If you're playing, say, Cyberpunk, then you want lots of kit. Mm. Yeah, that's true. You want true. to spend your time drooling over big lists. Like, oh, yes, or this is very exciting. Yeah. 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 Or Spycraft as well, printer. actually. Yeah, yeah. As well, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, like, having okay, gadgets yeah. and toys and trinkets. Mm. That's true. Is what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But some people are really put off by big, long lists of equipment. Yeah. Uh, and some people, <laughs> some people love it. Absolutely love pouring over equipment and choosing their best equipment for their character. Oh, I mean, yeah. it yeah. really is a different. That's a cake like, thing again, isn't egg. it? Do you like cake? Yeah. No, because everybody like, likes cake. Every reasonable person likes cake. Isn't that right, Peter? So, like the um, in Shadowrun, mm. you ha- you have to buy a clip for your gun, and you have to buy bullets separately. I'm like, oh, this requires me to know a lot more about guns. So I feel. Really comfortable having to research. So, so that probably is, yeah, that probably is more, definitely more than Gra- I'd be. Granularity. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that feels yeah. quite pedantic to me and like I'm not interested in that. I just mm. want to be like, I'm playing this cool character. If it is reasonable I have this thing, mm. then I mm. should just have it. Like if I'm playing, mm. you know, a, a rogue or something like that, it, it should be reasonable that I have a, a lockpick on me. Mm. Like, I d- no. do you know what I mean? Like without having to specify mm. it on my sheet. Well, plenty of games um, do that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's more what I prefer, is what mm. I was saying. Like I, yeah. the idea of going through mm. a big item list and picking out what I have, I'm just like, oh, that just makes so me. You should play awfully cheerful engine where the rules for equipment says if your character would probably mm-hmm. have this, then they do. And <laughs> I have a copy of the awfully cheerful engine omnibus just to my right. We've probably finished talking about dragons. All right, are we are we done? I think so. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. You've been listening to Morris's official tabletop RPG talk. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. That was a little tricycle. Look at it. <laughs> oh my God, Russ. This is bad. You wrote this. <laughs> There are I work in under your the conditions. I'll be in my trailer if anyone needs me. Here's some bonus content. <laughs> 15 minutes of Russ laughing at his own jokes. That he wrote a few hours ago. I, I, I'm glad that you now, now you're getting a real podcast experience. Yeah.